This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. And again, we got to say thank you to our Facebook Live listeners who are trying Facebook Live this morning in the studio. Got our fingers crossed on two things. One, that it works and two, that the battery on the iPad doesn't run out. <laughs> so we didn't plug it in. I thought, ah, that's 100%. We'll be fine. But uh, I have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for uh, over 27 years. Now, if you have an investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866-577-2473. And again, that's 866-577-2473. And as always, that gets you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about and to let you know we start taking the calls at just about 9.15. We usually talk about 15, 20 minutes here on important subjects. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Good to be here. And, uh, you know, talking about Facebook Live, if you are listening via Facebook Live, feel free to comment. I am tracking those as well. So if you have a question there, we got you covered. Yeah, a new thing to do. And it was kind of, usually this morning we, we come in, we got things pretty easy going and so forth. Today we have, okay, we got to set this up. We got that up to do. And a little bit more difficult here. It wasn't so easy this morning, was it? Had a lot going on. <laughs> well, you know, I want to get right to the jobs report because the jobs report was a very good news. And I, I you know, on Facebook, we're on Facebook a lot. We always do post things that the media doesn't post, the positive side. Uh, and, and this jobs report, I, I, you know, I've been waiting all week and it, it, it didn't disappoint me. I mean, non-farm payrolls increased by 1.8 million for the month of July, which was above the estimate of 1.48 million. And the unemployment rate was 10.2%, was also better than the estimate at 10.6%. So we've got some good numbers coming out. There are some things people can say negative on it, but let's look at the positive side for right now. We're saying let's look at the positive, but let's talk about what people are probably saying that is on the negative <laughs> okay, side. Okay, you know, it's funny you talk about people saying, oh, well, it's not what it was back at the beginning of the year. Well, correct. It's not what it was right. at the beginning of the year. We had a massive decline because we had a forced lockdown by the government, which has never happened before. So then you had that problem, and now we're starting to recover from that. And you're starting to see the jobs come back into place. So, I mean, it, it is, of course, not going to be what it was at the beginning of the year. But looking at the positive side, over the last three months, 9.3 million workers have been added back to the workforce. While we had that massive decline, what was it, uh, March or April, we have been clawing back and getting back to a, a normalized or more normalized economy. Another positive, uh, looking deeper in the numbers, is the fact that about 56% or 9.2 million people that are counted as unemployed are furloughed or temporarily unemployed, which means that they could be coming back uh, because, again, it's not like no more job. We're just waiting for th things to turn around or something else to change. So that's a big positive there in the report. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one that people <laughs> typically overlook. I mean, being furloughed is, is, I think, a lot more of a positive thing for the economy because, again, those people, they can come back onto the payroll very, very simply, and, mm -hmm. and they're used to the system. It's not like they're going to a new job where they have to be retrained and, and all these different things. Being furloughed and then coming back to the same job can, can really create a smooth transition and, again, bring a lot more of those jobs back online. 
if we can continue to open up in a safe fashion. Now, if these workers are brought back, I mean, again, you're going to see the employment rate continue to improve. But but I want to tell people, I don't think it's going to improve as quickly as it has in the past, but I think we'll still improve. You know, I was thinking driving in. This was a Saturday morning. I'm driving at 8 o'clock in the morning. Where are all these people going on the freeway? I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. I was driving. I'm like, where? What is going on right now? Yeah, I know. And and I, and I know the, I moved up to North Poway, Rancho Bernardo area. So I, I'm, I'm coming down 15. Uh, you know, I, I, I do some things in the morning. Uh, I think it was on the road like 10, 1030. I hit traffic. Like where? I mean, everybody's out spending money doing things. Things are not as bad as, as people think they are. No, I, I mean, I completely <clears throat> agree. And, um, you know, with that said, though, kind of to hit on your other point is I, I, I think you have to bring down that optimism as well going forward and realize that, you know, we added 1.8 million. That was below what we've been adding over the last two months. I think next month it's not going to be again, you know, a two, three million job creation number. I think we could, you know, dip down again. It's it's going to be, you know, a climb back. It's not going to be a, a simple stroll in the park that this economy all of a sudden is going to reappear. It is going to take some time. And, and I'm hoping not for a, a pullback. I'm hoping for just a little increase or even a flat. I, yeah. I would be thrilled with. But I mean, we have to realize that the hospitality sector, that's 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 what kind of pulling everything down. Because I was looking at the medical field is, is open now. Uh, construction is just uh, exploding. Booming, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, we, we have uh, somebody you know, he has a, what, a flooring company and can't get people to, to come to work. Uh, one thing positive that could happen, they haven't signed the new package yet, is that people might be saying, well, wait, I'm not getting that $600. Maybe I need to go back to work. So maybe if this whole thing drags on a little bit longer, maybe we will see the uh, uh, a big uptick in August because people had to go back to work. You know, and it, it is so interesting. I mean, you talk about the, the contact I have that works in flooring. This is actually a very, very safe job. He goes, there's no safe jobs. <laughs> he goes into new homes and installs flooring. There's nobody else in the home, <laughs> just him and his team. Like You could socially distance and be very, very safe, but he can't find people to work because they'd rather collect the unemployment. Well, like you said, I, I am curious to see what happens if this negotiation process continues to drag on where it's like, okay, I'll take that flooring job now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to hurt some people but it also might get some people back off their butts to go work in places that are still safe working conditions. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's, that's something you can kind of look at is that more people are going to go back to work. Uh, we're going to what week two of this. So maybe people say, okay, this is not going on through. And I, and I, I do believe that when they come through with this, it's not going to be the $600. I think it's going to be less. I'm hoping for $300. And, uh, I think yeah, it's going to be 400, 400. Well, three, 400. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, maybe it's 200. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the situation, but it's still going to be better than the 600 because then people say, okay, I can make more money going back to work than getting 300 or 400 uh, a week extra. So, uh, but, but good news on the unemployment numbers, unfortunately, and the market yesterday was kind of dragged down uh, because of the China situation and so forth. But I, I was very happy because the markets were, I'd say virtually flat, Yeah. but our portfolio screamed yesterday. I was very happy with I that. I mean, it was very strong. And, and that's the thing too, old, uh, technology is, is really illustrated how much it can control the S&P yesterday, and, and we've talked about this before, when technology does not do well, it's going to have a, a negative impact on the overall market. But right. I, I think it is just kind of a, I think this term's a flash in the pan, you know, so flash to speak, pan, where right? it's, oh, <laughs> oh, it's kind of a wake-up call, and yep. it happened one day. If it happens for a month, two months, three months, all of a sudden, S&P could drag down because of technology, and other things can still do very, very well, and we've been saying it for years. Yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. Things can turn around quickly. Yep. So, and, and again, I mean, I've, I've talked about it again. We, we've talked about this. I'll do it one more time. 
uh, on TV, the, the pundits, oh, a 30 PE, now that's normal, that's okay. That's a danger sign because if you say that's normal, it is not normal. Absolutely. I did want to make one more comment sure. on the jobs. I mean, you talk about the hospitality uh, industry. I, you know, I, I think the hospitality industry overall is just very interesting at this time. You know, they they were a catalyst for the jobs report, adding 592,000 jobs. I do worry, uh, you know, we, we have the continued lockdowns. There's, I saw that, you know, some bars uh, are now going to be limited in different places of the country. So it, it could hurt some growth there. But I, I must say, I think that the industry overall has done a great job adapting I mean, I, I've gone to a couple of restaurants and I love the whole outdoor, yeah. you know, it, it's kind of like a European type thing right. is what it reminds me of. But I, I mean, they're doing a great job and hopefully that that allows those people to, again, as you said, maybe they don't create more jobs in the hospitality sector, but they can protect those jobs by allowing that out, outdoor dining. Yeah. And we are fortunate here in San Diego, the weather's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Arizona, Phoenix, it might be a little bit more difficult. And again, when things cool off, back east is going to be a problem. So yep. hopefully... We do improve and get through this, but uh, let's stay on the, the jobs part and talk about the jobless claims because they had a good report on jobless claims uh, as they came in the lowest level since March 14th, the lowest level on jobless claims. Uh, they, you know, they're still high at 1.186 million, but below the estimate of 1.4 million and continuing claims were also positive as they fell 844,000 to 16.1 million. So we got some more good numbers coming out here on people going back to work. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that I like to, track on jobless claims. The reason I like to look at it is because it's a week to week type deal where, you know, the unemployment numbers were for July. This is actually going to be more updated. So you get these numbers on a weekly basis. And it, it does show that again, 16 million people are still collecting unemployment, but it is declining, which is positive. And I want to keep a close eye on this uh, because the continuing claims lag by about a week. So I, I like to keep a very close eye on these numbers and, you know, they're, they're pointing towards some positive. Yeah. So, so again, more positive news. We'll keep an eye on that for you. So stay tuned. And also, by the way, if you don't see these, you say, gosh, I want to know these quicker. Uh, you can follow us on our social media on Smart Investing uh, with Brent Chase Wilsey. Um, also, too, we have a newsletter that also summarizes every Friday as well. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Sign up for the newsletter and we'll send this out to you every Friday. I think we send out what? Friday afternoon, I believe. Yeah, Friday afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon, Friday <clears throat> evening. I think I saw it come in around 5, 6 p.m. last night. Okay. And uh, Chase, I was so excited and surprised this past week when I saw a report that uh, just a few months ago, this big concern like, oh, my gosh, credit card debt is going to be skyrocketing because people have to put money on the credit card. Well, that actually changed, and uh, it is not rising. Um, I continue to tell people that we're better off than we appear, and proof of that is the outstanding U.S. credit card debt has dropped $100 billion or 11% from February to the end of June. And this is according to Equifax that the credit card debt is actually being paid down. This was a big positive. Oh, absolutely. And, and you also look at the delinquency rate. I, I mean, that was also just fantastic. I mean, if you look in March, over two and a half percent of uh, credit card accounts were 30 days or more past due. At the end of June, just 1.75%. So people have been very good about controlling their debt, controlling their finances during the situation. And, you know, perhaps part of that was because of the stimulus. Part of that was because of the unemployment. They were able to, you know, take actions to pay down their credit card. But as you said, this is a, a big positive that no one's talking about. And we got some comments saying, oh, that's because nobody's spending money. I don't have the number off the top of my head. I wish <laughs> I put them down here. But consumer spending has actually climbed back yep. as well. We did see some increases in that. 
which shows people are spending. So that is a false narrative that people are putting out there as well. And what is great, yes, that the spending's going up, but they are paying more of the credit card debt down. So the consumer is, is being overall pretty smart. Now, I know people are going to say, yeah, but Joe Smith, he's in trouble. You know, his credit card debt is rising. He can't spend money. You're always going to find the exception. We're talking about overall, the averages are looking pretty good. And I was so happy that people are spending money but yet also doing the right thing and, and paying down their debt. Yeah, and then the sad thing is you, you could find people that do that during normal times, yeah. but the media blows it out of proportion. And, oh, it's because of COVID. It's like, well, you could find people that do that when we're not in the middle of COVID. So it, it, it's just unfortunate a lot of times there's just so much negativity. That's why we look, like to look at the mass numbers because it, it really paints a, a, a better picture rather than pointing out one singular scenario. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, one other thing we want to talk about before we open the phone lines here, we want to talk about uh, the good news for manufacturing sector. Uh, when, when they come out, I think it was like Wednesday, I think it was. Monday or Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday it was. Yeah. The ISM manufacturing PMM came in at 54.2 for July. That was above expectations of 53.8 and indicates we saw another month of expansion, which marks the third month in a row. Yeah, and uh, according to the ISM, I mean, some good things here. The the expansion was driven in part by a sharp increase in new orders and a rise in production. So those are some, again, positive signs. We did see, going back to the jobs report, manufacturing add some jobs as well. So mm -hmm. that that industry is coming back, which, you know, was just absolutely annihilated during the, the uh, right. beginning of the pandemic. So it's good to see some expansion there. And as a reminder, anything above 50 is indicative of an expansion rather than contraction. And I wonder why all these negative people don't see this stuff. Hopefully they listen here and understand that. And again, you said the important word. Anything above 50 is expansion, below 50 is a decline. And then let's not forget about the uh, non-manufacturing, which is the um, also rose from 58.1 in July, from 57.1 in June. Another positive, and this is non-manufacturing. Uh, was another good report. So manufacturing and non-manufacturing doing well. Yeah, and it, the estimates were 55. So coming at 58, that, that's very, very strong. And, you know, the services, again, are coming back online. There are, are jobs being created. So, I mean, you, just be careful getting sucked in all the negativity. And, you know, we've been talking to clients, and there's some people that are very worried because, you know, why they're worried? They watch the news every day. <laughs> <laughs> and the news is just unfortunately going to scare the heck out of a lot of people. You know, look at the numbers here. There are positive signs. And as we talked about, there are going to be little points that you can point out that are going to be negative. There there are always those points. I will tell you, nothing in an economy is ever 100% positive. Right. So right. just be very, very careful getting sucked into all the negative. And you're so right. I mean, that's what the news media does is they want to scare people so they continue to watch the news. We don't do that. Why? Because we want to educate investors on how to invest. When you see these positive numbers, don't listen to the mainstream media because they're trying to scare you so you watch the news. We're trying to tell you, hey, it's safe to invest in the proper companies. Now, if you're not sure what companies they are, uh, actually, uh, let's, let's open the phone lines, 866-577-2473. Uh, Again, that's a toll-free number, 866 577 Two four seven three, and I'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion what you want to talk about. But if you have companies saying, gosh, I'm thinking about investing in XYZ or ABC, whatever it may be, we go over all the fundamentals for you right here. I don't think they can see it on the Facebook Live, but uh, you still, you'll hear the numbers, So, but you can call in. But that's what that's what we're doing is, is saying that, yes, it is safe to invest in the right companies at the right price. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, and I, I feel like it is 
good to continue to talk about it because people say, oh, the market's just so expensive. I'm just going to stay in cash. And I'll tell you, we're a little bit heavier on cash than we normally are. That's very, very true at the current time. But that doesn't mean we're still not finding opportunities out there. I mean, I would never go 100% cash. That That is just very, very dangerous in terms of, of doing that in your portfolio. Um, and there are always going to be opportunities. Things The stock market can go up, but it, remember, the stock market is not a whole thing. You can find in the market of stocks other companies. You can right. buy those pieces of the stock market, and that's what we're looking for. Just because the stock market went up 20% doesn't mean you can't find a stock that went down 50%, and now all of a sudden it's a great bargain and that's what we look for. And very important. Doesn't mean that next week, oh, I, I bought it at 25. Now it's going to go to 50. No, what it means is that you found a great business to invest in at 25. And just think about even if in a year or two, it goes from 25 to 35, that is what a 40% return. I mean, you would complain about a 40% return over a couple of years. I would hope not. Gosh. And the, the other thing that I think is interesting that a lot of people are discounting here is a lot of companies that were paying pretty handsome dividends, suspended those dividends. They didn't completely say, we're never going to pay a dividend again. I wouldn't be surprised if once they get back on their feet, they start reissuing the dividends that they were used to. Now, let's say you buy a a company at 10, and the dividend was 10% at that point. Now the stock goes back up to 20. Wow, you got 100% return. Now you also get a reinstatement of that dividend. Now you're getting a 10% yield based off your initial cost basis. And then over the next five years, they could increase that dividend. I mean, I think this is a great opportunity to be finding these companies that were beaten down that are going to come back and had some great dividends because, geez, you could get some great income down the road plus some fantastic price appreciation. You know, Jason, I always tell people the way we manage money is like a chess game. You're planning ahead two to three moves. And I think very few people, if any, think think that way. Like, well, they stopped the dividend. Well, uh, but they could re-add it down the road, you know, six, 12 months down the road what would my yield be? They, they don't think ahead two to three moves and you have to do that with investing. Now, if you're just kind of day trading and so forth, uh, just go to Vegas and gamble because that's all you're really doing. But to invest properly to keep those returns and keep good businesses, you got to think ahead down the road, two, three moves. And you know what the difficult part is? I'll, I'll use my $10 transit transaction price. The scary part is it could go down to eight. Yeah. You know, but then you have to not think about two to three months. And the problem is people get so encompassed in this idea that, oh my gosh, things are going down. I, I can't handle it anymore. If you start to take that longer term view, again, I'm not even talking 20 years. That's the other issue people say, oh, it's going to take me 20 years to get back to break even. The reason it's going to take you 20 years is because you sell out at the bottom. Right. That's why it takes you 20 years to get back to break even. If you weather that correction, it could be one, two, three years to get back to where you are. I think that is even uh, a pretty soft estimate. I think mm-hmm. you can easily recover quite quickly during this time period and looking two to three years down the road, I think you can make very, very good money. And it's so funny you bring that up, Chase. Uh, and, and by the way, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, 866-577-2473. You got a business you want to talk about. Again, we call it businesses, equities, you call them stocks. Uh, give us a symbol. We'll, we'll look at those for you. We'll know the fundamentals for you. But uh, talking about um, uh, that one back in 2008, I, I went through, you know, again, the 87, went through the banking crisis in the 90s, went through uh, the tech boom bust. But just going back to the Great Recession, uh, people said the exact same thing. It's going to take me 20 years to get back to where I started. And you're exactly right. What they did was they went from the investments over to CDs paying at the time, I think they were higher, maybe two, 3%. Well, yeah, it's going to take you that long to get back because you did a silly thing by cashing in and doing that. 
fortunately, I didn't have as many clients then as I do now, but I think I only had about 10 people during that time frame that left. Uh, very similar numbers now. People, and we, we try to explain the commonality of it. And that's one thing people say all the time, Brent, it's different this time. And they say that over and over again, each and every time. 87, it's different this time. 90 banker crisis, it's different this time. And it is different, but it's always the same. We will get through this, and that's why we look at the numbers. That's why we share with people how to look at the numbers. Uh, and by the way, we do have a, web, a webinar coming up. Wow, it's just Thursday already. I know, it's August coming up quick. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up quick, uh, where we will actually show you how we do things. And you'll learn why we take a com common sense, completely transparent, Transparent approach, easier for me to say, uh, to our investment strategies. We're going to show you how we do that, uh, what an individualized, concentrated value portfolio, and why it has a potential to help you reach your financial goals with the least amount of risk. We're going to show you all this here and what value investing really is and what it can do for you long term. We have many things we show you in that webinar to help you understand what is going on. So it is free. You got to sign up, though. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. It's available all day long. Great information. I think it runs for about an hour and five minutes, hour and 10 minutes, I think it is. Uh, but it's going to really help you out, help you understand what we do here at the radio show, also to understand how we invest. And I've been doing this for 40 years, and it's worked out very well. Uh, but it's not like a quick get-rich scheme. It is really the right way to invest. So smartinvesting2000.com is the website to sign up, and it's free all day long. August 13th. Yeah, looking forward to it. But we did get a question on uh, Facebook Live. Um, and it looks like from Aida, I, and I apologize if I mispronounce your name there, but uh, it looks like the question here is, I know this is probably too general of a question, but REITs, question mark, with companies, employees working from home, they sure save a lot on overhead, right? So kind of two different situations here. Um, I, I guess I, I, I think we should address the back end of the question first is, you know, companies right now have been locked into leases and have their right. mortgage payments. So unfortunately, they're not really, I think, saving that much money in terms of their rental payments to uh, their their landlords. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, Chase, because a lot of companies still have to pay those payments, even though people aren't going to the office, which I do believe that's going to change. Because when I look at the practicality of people working from home, I've had both sides, but I am sorry. It is just not as efficient as going to the office. The other thing, too, that came up about people working from home, if you're younger, you're new in the profession, you're not getting the benefit of being in the office with somebody that's been doing it for 20, 30 years. You're missing that camaraderie of people to really learn more about the business. So working from home is okay and good for some people, but overall, you need to get back in that office because of the fact that it is something that is going to benefit you. Now, the question was... Uh, about REITs in general, I was just going to kind of touch on REITs. Uh, you know, real estate investment trusts, I, I, very important you avoid the private real estate investment trusts. They pay great commissions to those brokers. So, you know, if you're ever being pitched on one of these ideas, I mean, gosh, they can be high, I think as high as 12% I've seen. Oh, I mean, yeah. it is it is a, a great payday for the, uh, the brokers there. Public REITs, on the other hand, do trade like stocks. Uh, so you, you have great liquidity there. It's a great way, in my opinion, to get access to the real estate market. You just have to understand it is going to fluctuate like a stock, but there are different types of REITs. I like the healthcare REITs at this time. There, there's some that, that are overpriced. There's others that I think are a great opportunity. I'm a little bit cautious on uh, the mall REITs and shopping center REITs at this time. I, it's just a little That's concerning. Yeah. And then also we talked about the office REITs. I, I think the office REITs at the right price could be a great opportunity because I do think, as you mentioned, people will come back to the office down the road just because 
as you said, there's so many learning experiences. There's so much more productivity, in my opinion, that you get by coming into the office. And another REIT that I'm I'm very cautious on right now is the apartment REITs. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something that because people are moving out of the apartments, they want to buy that home. We can see that on the home building side. But I, I do want to expand more on the difference between a public REIT and a private REIT. The public REIT is one that trades on the exchange. You can go in and out all day long if you want to. You shouldn't do that, but I mean, you, you can. A private REIT is sold by a broker. By the way, they do make a big commission. I think you mentioned uh, as much as 8% is what they can make on those. And I have seen, I've been doing this for 40 years, I've seen people get stuck on those. I think I've seen one person that actually made money on those. So it's very rare because once you're in, you can't get out. I think there's a saying on that. Once you're in, you, you can't get out. Um, and well, you can, but for pennies on the dollar. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, and I think the best I've seen is like about 30 cents on the dollar. So so be careful if a, if a broker is trying to sell you like, oh, we got this great real estate project here. Uh, find out. Say, does it trade on an exchange? And say, no, 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 it's, it's, it's private. It's a great deal and so forth. Say, no, thank you. Walk away because the private deals are many times great for everybody else except for the investor. I see Roland in Arizona there, but I did want one more comment sure. there. Um, you know, the big thing too is these private REITs. You don't really hear that term as much anymore, unfortunately. It's shifted. Yes. It's now alternative investments. So be very cautious if they're talking about alternatives. And, you know, it's funny, I see, I used to see the TV commercials more. It seems like they've panned out a little bit less now, but it's like, oh, it's a new, you know, 70-30 is old. Now it's 70-20-10 and you need 10% in alternatives. I haven't seen that commercial as much lately, maybe because I don't watch normal TV <laughs> anymore, but uh, just kind of saying, be very cautious of these alternative investments because those are the new private REITs in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Chandler, Arizona, and speak with Roland. Roland, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Looking at uh, buying Western Digital, WDC. You know, and I think they just reported earnings this past week, and I think they had a big drop. And I've always kind of yes, liked this did. company at the right price, so I'm glad you're calling about this. So we're going to take a look. looking at buying it at 45, and luckily I held off. Okay, good. Well, we'll see what it is here for you. Uh, <laughs> coming again, it's Western Digital. Symbol is WDC. Uh, unfortunately, no P.E. ratio, and I'm not sure if that's because they just reported earnings, because I see earnings reported July 3rd, so we may not... It's been that way for a while. Okay, it has been that way for a while. Okay, so, and sometimes when we just get the earnings, we don't have all the financial statements, but we'll see what we have here. Uh, P.E., again, not material versus 15.3 for the industry. Price to sales, 0.66. That is higher than the industry at 0.57. There is no price to book value that's the same as the industry. And price to cash flow is a little bit expensive, 8.4 versus 6.9. So I'm a little bit disappointed that the evaluation ratios are not better than than, uh, than uh, I thought they would be. Um, I keep losing my mouse here. I don't know why I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, no dividend yield. I, I thought they paid a dividend. Maybe they, they stopped that dividend. We do see sales were uh, up 1.01%, industry down 2.25. We do see earnings per share, they were up 61.4, which is very good, but the whole industry was up 34. Uh, now, if I can find my mouse here again, and I, I know Br uh, Brendan was having trouble with this uh, earlier. Uh, where, where Where is it at here? Uh, well, uh -oh. let me, I'll just do page down, <laughs> see if that works. Uh, current ratio is a 2.05 versus 0.97. Uh, debt to equity is 100.3 versus 244. That's a big positive. 
We do see return on equities a negative 2.5 versus a positive 26 with the industry. That's not good. And then we see a net profit margin of a negative 1.5. Industry positive 3.7. Receivable turnover is 9.3, well above the industry at 6%. That's good, or six times. And then the inventory turnover is four, half the industry at 8.2. Chase, what do you got for the earnings over there? Yeah, so looking at Western Digital here, current price $37, 52-week high $72, and 52-week lows $27.40. Now, if we look out to June 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $2.12. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $33.92. And it's very strange here. If I look at the, the non-gap numbers, that's estimated to be $5.86. So a very, very strong number. But I don't know what's going on with these gap numbers. They've had huge discrepancies over the last few years. In June 2018, they made $14.73 on a non-gap basis. Then they only made $2.20 on a gap basis. In 2019, they made $4.84 on a non-GAAP basis and then lost $2.58 on a GAAP basis. So something's going on here with these earnings rolling, and it is a concern. I, I, I don't know uh, enough about this company to say this is what's happening. I do have some ideas. I, I know that they've had some issues with how they're going to continue. Uh, I think they do storage now with things kind of moving to the cloud how are the, I think they should do like the floppy disks and things like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, how are they going to be a part of this new cloud transition? They might be selling off old businesses and that might be changing the earnings, but that's just a speculation. You have to understand that. Um, but there, there's something strange with these numbers. And, and Chase, I missed, what, what was the target sale price you came up 33. with? 33. 92. Oh, so not even what the current price is. Okay. Yeah, so but, that, it, but it is strange. The non-gap is much higher than the gap. So if you look at the non-gap oh, numbers, yeah. I mean, the target sell price would be, gosh, very attractive at $94. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's why I'm saying the numbers, it, it might make some sense depending on what, what those, they're backing out. Right. But it's too hard to tell just from these numbers. Yeah. I, I would say I would definitely stay away from this. And yeah. I, I'm disappointed because I thought I was going to find but, something uh, good here. But I see different projected earnings when I go to Market Watch. Mm -hmm. They're projecting higher earnings next fiscal year, which gives it a higher. And that's based off of the non-gap. We like to look at the gap earnings. Um, the non-gap, for some reason, is much, much higher. And you would have to understand over these last few few years, what have they been backing out of their, their earnings? Because what can happen is a company can back out stock-based compensation, currency fluctuation, sales of assets. That could elevate those earnings numbers, and they could be a, a false sense of elevated numbers, where if you look at the gap numbers, those are what all companies have to comply with, and those have been much, much lower, which would create a lower target sell price. So something is very strange with these numbers, Roland. You, you just have to understand what are they gap backing out of those non-gap earnings. And, and Roland, years ago, I read a book called Quality of Earnings. It's amazing what companies can do with the earnings. You've got to make sure that those are good quality earnings and not just things are kind of, as Chase said, kind of backing things out, trying to make them look good. So be careful. That's why we look at gap. Now, sometimes we have a couple of companies we will kind of switch a little bit, but you've got to understand what you're doing because sometimes I've seen companies just back out things that there's no way they should have backed that out. So be, be careful there, all righty? Yeah, I thought I was looking at gap projected earnings next year. Yeah, and, and yeah, and I think you're looking at the uh, pre-exempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, alrighty. Okay. Thanks Thank for, you. Thanks for calling, Roland. Have a good day. Bye. -bye. <clears throat> alrighty. That does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Again, that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. 
Wayne, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Like your opinion on Pulte Homes, PHM, they're a home builder, primarily uh, for, they do a lot of 55 plus communities in the country. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy that? Looking to buy it. Okay. There's been a run on the home builder stocks, as you know. Yes, yes. And uh, let me see here. I keep putting in the wrong symbol, so bear, bear with me for a second here. Uh, okay. Keep, <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Yes, here we go. All right, Pulte Homes, actually called Pulte Group Incorporated, symbols PHM. Yeah. Uh, great start here. PE ratio 10.4 versus 246 for the industry. Price of sales 1.1 versus 0.5. That's expensive, obviously. Price of book value looks very good, though. Two versus 7.3. And price of cash flow, very similar. Seven, uh, 9.7 versus 9.3. Now, you do get a small dividend here. 1.1%. They use 11% they're going to pay that out. We do see sales were up 4.8% year over year. That's double the industry at 2.8. Earnings per share climbed year over year by 28%. The industry is down 95.8. So you do want to kind of understand what's in the industry. I think they have other things in here besides home builders, but I still like that 28% growth on earnings. Uh, no current ratio. And again, they have a little bit different because they're a long-term uh, type uh, company here. Their debt to equity looks good. 51.7 versus 54. Return on equity is very good. 21.1 versus 0.7. They have a net profit margin, 10.9 versus 0.2. And inventory turnover, very low, 1.1 versus 33, because you don't turn over a lot of houses in there. So, Jace, what about the earnings? You're saying you don't turn over million-dollar homes uh, <laughs> 10 times? <laughs> We're looking at a current price for a Pulte Group, $44.26, 52-week high, $47.37, and 52-week low, wow, $17.12. And I know they were uh, hit very, very hard at the beginning of this because, you know, typically housing doesn't do well in, in uh, recessions. But this has seemed to be a different scenario. I mean, kind of talked about the apartments earlier and being cautious. There are a lot of people seem to be flooding from the apartments and going to urban areas, which is one reason why I think home building has been so successful. But if we look going to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $4.65. That would give us a target sell price of $75.33. One thing I like here, too, is the earnings are continuing to grow. I mean, in 2019, they made $3.66. This year, they're estimated make $4.20. And then again, next year, $4.65. So I like to see earnings growth and especially earnings growth with good valuations. And, and also, too, they, they they got that good balance sheet, which I like. So some home builders, they're very popular, but their balance sheet does not look very good. And, and right now, home building is doing very, very well. You got low interest rates. I am a little bit concerned that if a year from now, rates are higher. And also, too, this reminds me on a bigger scale of the whole toilet paper crisis. Oh, we gotta get toilet paper, gotta get toilet paper. Now everybody wants to get a home. They wanna get a home, we gotta get a home. Well, that can't keep going on. So you wanna be very careful on this company, what you pay for it, because I think there's some room left to run, but I, mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd be careful about things turning over the next 12 months or so. Yeah, you can get all the toilet paper you want because it's cheap, <laughs> but homes, they, they kind of run out. And especially one thing too, I mean, we talked about the flooring, uh, you know, contact I have and how he's had a, a problem finding workers. I mean, that's a, a problem on a national level. So that's one issue that sure. the home builders had to overcome, which has increased the cost of labor, the cost of, uh, you know, lumber's increase. So that's one thing on the negative side, which is hurting their cost of goods, of course. So just some negatives to keep your eye on. But overall, I like the home building industry quite a bit, especially a lot of millennials like myself. I don't live under the parents' roof anymore, but there are many that are still trying to get out of that 
which uh, again should create some more housing demand down the road. Yeah, I, I kind of kicked you out. It's like, okay, you're 18. Go, 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 go to work. <laughs> so, but, but I, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate your information. When you, if you have time, can you can uh, just your opinion on gold and silver? It's had a huge run the last month or so. Yeah, I, I mean, we had gold in the portfolio as a hedge. Uh, we took it off because we found something better to to actually invest in. Uh, so it, it is a, another thing we kind of talk about. We don't know where the top is. You tell me, you know, what the earnings on uh, gold are or silver or what the balance sheet is. There, there is really none. So gold and silver is what the next person will pay for it. I know right now it's hot, but it, it's just right. something that um, I, I think there's other better things out there than gold or silver. And again, I'm looking longer term, uh, but but we did sell our hedge on on gold. So, so I should hold on to my coin collection. Yeah, coins. Well, <laughs> coins are actually different because coins uh, actually can be right. valuable because of the coin, but just like a right. gold bar or silver bar, it's just it's just based on right. metal. So, yeah, especially like the ETF of GLD. Right. I mean, that, that's yeah. what we used as our hedge. But you know, at a certain point, yeah. we we looked you know in two three years down the road and found a great company. And to be honest, it has underperformed GLD during that time frame. But I think over right. the next two to three years, it's going to blow that out of the water. Yeah. 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 Okay. I appreciate your opinions, gentlemen. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That does open up the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And I do want to talk about the workshop coming up. Well, actually, it's now a webinar because hopefully in a few months, we can get back to the live workshops. Love doing those, meeting with people and so forth. But right now, to keep you informed, we are doing a webinar it is coming up this Thursday, August 13th, and we show you everything, how we manage money. We don't hold back. We show you what we're doing. We explain to you what we're doing. We also show you things to watch out for in the investment world, what you shouldn't be doing. We talk about the 19 thoughts of trading, which people love this one because it really, you got to be very careful. Yeah, you just shouldn't do trading at all. It's, it's going to cause problems. You're, when you watch that, you'll see. We'll talk about other investments, what you shouldn't be doing and why not. Uh, we will show you what an individualized, concentrated value portfolio is and why it can give you the best returns longer term, and what value investing is, and how that can benefit you over the long term. But what you have to do is you have to sign up at our at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. It is available all day. It is free, and it's Thursday, August 13th. So tune in, sign up, and we'll look to, uh, look for you on Thursday, August 13th. Yeah, do miss doing the workshops in person, but as you said, hopefully soon. Yeah, I, I know. We I, I just love doing those workshops in person because it's just kind of you get to talk to people before and, and afterwards and, and so forth. So uh, l let's talk about uh, what else, because I, I had something else here I wanna, wanted to bring up. It's kind of buried here. I want to talk about eBay. Um, you probably want to go a different direction, but I but I just want to talk about eBay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one that uh, we did post this on, on, on Facebook, and, I, and I, I was surprised the number of people that actually did and still do use eBay. Uh, and it came across a ticker uh, tape around $60 a share. And it made me wonder, like, who uses eBay anymore? I, I, I didn't think anybody was. And I was surprised on the number of people say, yes, I use it. And and I think some people have said, I go to, I think they said I go to Amazon first, then eBay, or they go to eBay first, then they go to Amazon. Yeah, I think they just price check it. But I, I've never, I mean, to be honest, I went to eBay's website. It just didn't look as nice as, like, Amazon or anything else. <laughs> but I was like, oh, you know, I mean, if you get the deals, uh, you know, I, I know some people do use like uh, Alibaba, the Alibaba Express or whatever it is here in the United States. So people do use these different alternatives to Amazon. But yeah, I just haven't heard of anybody using eBay. Right. But I, I guess people still do. And, uh, you know, it's it's still a little bit pricey in terms of the mm -hmm. earnings. 
Um, but it, it's a lot more justified, I guess, than in the Amazon. I mean, I'm just kind of looking here. The current price is $55.21. Uh, did fall from the, the $61 that it hit right. earlier this week. Um, but the estimated earnings for 2021 is $3.15. So, I mean, it would give you a forward PE of about 17.5. We saw it at 16.2, but you know, it's not the Amazon at like 50, 60 times future earnings. And and it could have a pullback. And, and the thing that's what we're kind of looking at, maybe there was a hidden gem here with, with eBay, but uh, unfortunately there's not, but I, I, again, a lot of people still use it. I, I I haven't checked it out myself. And it's funny though. I even got one guy said, yeah, I use it for my knock system. I I guess he goes for his cars and gets the nitrid oxide Oh yeah, for for his cars. So I mean, a lot of strange things I guess on there that maybe normally you can't find. So, uh, but that that was eBay. So, all right, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Again, that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's head up to Orange County and speak with Mike. Mike, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? How you doing, guys? Uh, sorry to hit the same sector back to back here, but also looking at a housing company. Uh, it's Taylor Morrison Home Corporation. That's uh, Tango Mike Hotel, Charlie. Okay. And, and and don't apologize for that because it could be a good thing to kind of compare another home builder to another home builder. Uh, Mike, do you hold this or looking at buying it? I'm trying to purchase it. Um, I, I read an article that they were like ranked as one of the top builders by the industry last year and uh, ended up going that direction because of that a little bit. Okay. And very important. Wanted to know how. Very important, too, is that you always want to find out this appears. I've never seen this name before. Is this a regional home builder? Uh, it's a uh, actually, I believe, a West or East Coast company. Um, okay. I know they build out of the Carolinas, uh, something in Chicago uh, and in Florida area. Okay. I, I believe they were ranked as uh, like the fourth largest maybe builder of the group. Okay. And, and it's so important when you have a regional builder because, you know, Pulte Homes is nationwide, so we're not worried about one region going down. Now, if this is a regional builder, you know, back east or something, you've got to add to your analysis uh, what is going on in that region. So let's take the numbers on Taylor Morrison Home Corporation, symbol TMHC. PE ratio 16.7 versus 246. Price to sales 0.55 versus 0.5. Price to tangible book value is 1.1 versus 7.3. That's very good. But price to cash flow is 15.5, not as good as the industry at 9.3. Now we do see sales were up 16.2, well above the industry at 2.8. Unfortunately, earnings per share did fall by 35.3. Industry was down 95.8. And these are numbers as of June 30th, so I'm disappointed on that number. We do see uh, no current ratio. Again, I explained that before in Pulte. They, they just don't have that uh, because of the way they do their accounting. Uh, we do see that the debt to equity is a little bit expensive, 114 versus 54. So that worries me a little bit. Return to equity, 5.5 versus 0.7. Net profit margin, 2.9 versus 0.2. And receivable turnover, 65 versus 3.9. That's very good. And once again, inventory turnover, 0.9 versus 33 because, again, you don't have a lot of houses that you turn over and, and build. Yeah, and I, I did look at the company because I was curious uh, where they build. Uh, very curious what uh, concentration they have in these areas because it, it does seem like they, they do have some good national exposure. I mean, they are in Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, Orlando, uh, Riley, Southwest Florida, and Tampa, Austin, Dallas, Houston, and Denver, and then they're also in the Bay Area, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Southern California. So they do kind of hit different areas. Um, one thing I would be concerned about is if they're very small in some areas, it might be too 
cost inefficient to kind of have different operations there. It might cut them out loose there if they are heavily concentrated in certain areas. Again, hate to bring this up, but let's say there's a tornado that wipes out, you know, all their oh, yeah. developments in one area. Uh, that would be very detrimental to having just a regional builder that only concentrates on, on one particular area, especially uh, where tornadoes and natural disasters are more common. So just something to kind of keep your eye on. That's why we like uh, the national builders that, that can kind of recover if one area is hit too hard. Looking at the numbers here, though, current price, $23.14, 52-week high, $28.47, and 52-week low, wow, it has exploded off that as it was $6.39. Now, if I look forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $2.91. That would give us a target sell price of $47.14. So valuation-wise, this company looks very, very strong. It has run up a lot. I'm not sure if I would like to buy it at 23. I might watch it, be patient, try and get it at a better price. Um, but, I mean, based off evaluation, it, it, it looks quite attractive. And, Chase, you brought up a good thing, too, that they seem to be a lot in the uh, so southeast. And hurricane season, I think, comes up uh, next month. And if you're right, if you get a big hurricane coming in, you're going to see the stock probably fall dramatically. So that, that kind of worries me a little bit. Um, other than that, Mike, it, it does look pretty good, but you got to be careful and maybe got to get a nice crystal ball. You can predict what hurricane season is going to be like. All right, guys. I appreciate your help. A lot of good information there. Okay, Mike. Thanks Take for care. calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And I'll tell you a secret right now. Don't tell anybody else. But right now, all lines are open. So that's just a secret. Don't tell anybody else. So you'd be the one to call. But, Jay, so so important, and again, how we stressed about really looking deep in this stuff. And this is why before we invest in any company, it's, you know, 15, 20 hours of research because you want to kind of understand. And, and if we were going to buy this last home builder, we would actually go to the 10Q, 10K to say, okay, where are their builders? Now, And one thing I was kind of looking at is they appear to be, too big to be taken over. I think the market cap is about $3 billion Yeah. because we have seen like Pulte Homes take over these smaller builders and so forth. But at $3 billion, I, I, I don't know if a, another home builder would take them over. Um, possible, but but not likely. Yeah, I know. It's like, I mean, you have the big dogs like, you know, Lennar, uh, DR Horton. Um, you know, Pulte isn't quite in that range of the, the big, big companies. Um, and then you have, you know, the KB Homes, which is more concentrated on the West Coast, but they're, again, too big to be taken over, in my opinion, unless maybe one of the big companies wanted right. to take them over. But, yeah, I think Taylor Morrison at a $3 billion market cap uh, is just not a likely takeover target. And, you know, another thing, too, when you're looking at a home builder that you want to kind of look at it is what do they have? Because I know Pulte Homes, uh, they do have a lot of land and land options. And they did this so that they wouldn't get in trouble, so they have options to buy land in the future to build homes. Now, if the home builder doesn't have that, they could really be in a difficult spot because if they don't have the land to build homes on, they could be stuck paying higher prices for the land, building the homes, hurting their profit margins. So you got to also look at how much land do they have to build on. And, you know, that's such a great point because a lot of times people don't realize, it's like, oh, why don't they just buy the land? Because the options are more expensive than buying the land. Mm -hmm. But the reason they buy the options is for the flexibility. Yeah. They learn their lesson from, you know, 2006, 2007, was they said, well, yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but I'll tell you a secret. Land is a non-liquid asset. So if you get stuck with land and you don't have the cash flow to build on that land, that is just sitting idle and you might have to sell that off at a fire sale, yep. which would just be detrimental to the business. So what they do now is they now buy options on the land. And if it, it is a tough period, they 
exercise their right to not take over that land. And yeah, it was a cost on the option, but now they have the flexibility of saying, okay, now we don't have to develop that land. We can focus our, our assets somewhere else. Yeah. And actually that's what really hurt a lot of builders in 2008 because no one was buying homes that they really hurt. And we had some builders actually go bankrupt because they had the land, but they couldn't liquidate it. And, and people don't realize that you can have non-liquid assets and be forced into bankruptcy. It doesn't mean, well, hey, I've got all these assets, but if you can't pay your short-term bills, that's why we look at current ratio because it shows the capability of paying off your next 12 months of liabilities. And if you can't pay your current bills, you are going to end up in bankruptcy because your creditors want that money. And they're gonna say, we're sorry, we know you got all this land, but we want our money now. And if you can't do it, too bad. Yeah. When you're bankruptcy. It's so, interesting. Yeah. Well, I got a comment from uh, your good buddy, Gary Smith, back in oh, New hey, York. Back in New York. Yes, uh, hey, Gary. It's just saying hurricane season's from June 1st to November 30th. So it looks like we're already in hurricane season, but maybe the height of hurricane season's oh. right around the corner. And, you know, he knows that because he's from upstate New York, but he's like a lot of New Yorkers. He now has a place in Florida. So I'm sure he watches that closely. <laughs> so, but June 1st, that's surprising. I, yeah, I, didn't I don't know if it was that soon. That time frame. All righty, phone numbers. Gosh, no one has taken uh, advantage of the calls here today. This is our slowest time that we've had in, in, in months. Few weeks, yeah. Months, yeah. yeah. Months, yeah. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You got something there you want to talk about, Jay? Yeah, I mean, kind of, we touched on eBay, but mm -hmm. the other thing that we talked about this week that kind of goes in hand with that is online retail sales. Oh, yes. You know, yes. We, we talked about online retail, I mean, has just really grown in popularity, obviously. I mean, you had the run-up of Amazon, and it's kind of funny, eBay was, I think, more popular before Amazon was, but Amazon really took it and ran. Yeah. They really became the, the dominant force in online sales, and, and now some other retailers are pushing forward on uh, the online front, but it is interesting when you look at a lot of these department stores, I mean, they are really to blame in terms of why they're not successful anymore. Right. And, and actually they, they are, and I did some reading on that and, and look back and, and, and I always get this one like, Oh, Brent, you know, there's going to be no, no retailers left. It's all going to be online. I said, no, that's not going to happen. We are social human beings. We, we love going to socialize, going out to places and so forth. The problem has happened with retailers back in the 80s and the 90s, they were, they were flying because they were going out. What does a customer want and so forth? Well, they got lazy. They ended up staying in the corporate headquarters, corporate office, and not finding out what people want, what the consumer wants. And by doing that, the consumer says, hey, there's nothing exciting there. So they are now turned to the online and, and on, online retailers are gonna blow away your big box stores on price. They, they can't compete on price, no way. But what the, the, the big box stores can do is they can give a customer experience. They can have great customer service. They can have all these other things. I mean, uh, I, I went to UTC last, last year in, in, in the, uh, Christmas time and they had snow and all these things. That's what you can do is make an experience. And then you're walking by these stores. And the other thing this article said too, that retailers got lazy on was doing their storefronts. It was very boring. Yeah. You want enticing to like, wow, this is great. I want to go in. I want to take a look at that. So, the online retailers, they only have price. But your big box stores, they have got to create an experience that people want to enjoy. Yeah, it's so interesting you bring up that point. And, you know, we talked about, you know, how Sears and, you know, Kmart back in the day were, were so dominant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but you go into like the JCPenney's and stuff now. I, we talked about it on the, the air a while ago. And somebody called in and brought up the fact that when you go in there, they got, you know, the fluorescent lights just beaming down <laughs> on you. It's like, 
ah, the white flooring. It's like it was just not visually appealing and they cut costs. And it, you're, you're so right. If you're trying to cut costs as a retailer, you're not going to win because online can dominate cutting costs. And, you know, talking about going and understanding things, I, I love Marcus Lemonis, the prophet, you know, mm-hmm. that show. And he's so interesting to watch. I, I, he goes in and when he talks to businesses, he'll go stand outside and talk to people and try yeah. and understand it. And that's kind of what you're saying with the CEOs. They, they were just kind of hidden in their, their corporate offices, not really going and understanding the consumer, which is what you're selling to. Exactly. All right. Uh, phone number is 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Again, that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, gentlemen. Again, uh, I just want your opinion on Pfizer PFE. Okay, do you hold that or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Okay, and I know that Pfizer is having a vaccine drug that they're working on. They seem to be one of the leaders on that, so this could kind of change things. I know they've come up somewhat. But uh, let's take a look at the Pfizer Incorporated symbols, PFE. Good start here. PE ratio 14, half the industry at 27. Price to sales 4.2 versus 4.7. That's positive. No price of tangible book, book value. That's the same as the industry. And price of cash flow is 10 versus 15.6. So that's a big positive. Now, Pfizer, you get a nice dividend here. It's a 4% dividend, and they only use 52% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, unfortunately, sales are down 5.9% year over year. The industry was up five. Earnings per share, however, for Pfizer, well, they're up 52%. Industry was down 1.5. Now, I like the balance sheet here. You got a current ratio of one versus 1.5, but debt to equity for Pfizer, and I think it used to be higher, it's now only 80 versus 117. So that's a big, uh, big positive there. Return to equity is 25 versus 22. Net profit margin, wow, 31 versus 17. And receivable turnover is 5.2, same as the industry, and inventory turnover 1.2 versus 1.8. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? And so current price for Pfizer here, $38.45, 52-week high, $40.97, and 52-week low, $27.88. Now, if I look forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis. It's $2.50. Would give us a target sell price of $40.50. So right about at that uh 52-week high. So it looks about fairly priced. Doesn't look to be a great value at this point. It's not overly expensive, but again, just kind of indifferent about it, I guess I would say. Yeah, I think in the low 30s, it probably made more sense. And I'm kind of surprised here, Chase, on the numbers going into December 2022, there's nothing there from the analysts. And for some reason, I can't get over far enough on my screen to kind of uh, <laughs> pull, pull it down. Uh, but I can't see how many analysts are following this. Can, can you see that in your screen, how many analysts are following this? Because... Um, uh, it looks like for Pfizer on the earnings per share side, on the this is interesting. There's just one on the gap front, on, really? on the pre-exempt front, there's nine. So um, it, that is strange. The, the, that's very strange for a company this size. Uh, what, what are they? They're uh, $213 billion, have one analyst on the gap side. That, that does kind of worry me. And again, you are going to have the vaccine thing. Uh, if they right. are the one, the stock will take a, a bump up. But if it doesn't come through, maybe it's somebody else. Moderna, I think, is another company. If somebody else gets it before right. Pfizer, uh, you can see them fall back to the low 30s and actually lose a little, a little bit of money on there. So I'm, di- I'm disappointed. I, I was expecting Yeah, I thought it would be a little bit better value here. Yeah. So. Okay. On your last call about Taylor Morrison, the home builder, yes. they recently, I believe they recently bought William Lyons Homes out of, out of Orange County. And they're a major builder in the area, too. So. Okay. Well, that's, just, that's just a point. 
Yeah, that, that, that could actually help because, again, maybe they, they're kind of realizing that they are concentrating in the southeast. Maybe they yeah. are trying to expand right. to the uh, west coast. So that, that's a good good right. move for them probably. Well, good. Thanks, Wayne. Okay. Have a good day. Thank you, you again. You do. Thank you. All right. Do you have a comment, Chase? Uh, no. Uh, no. I was good on the home builder front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, again, I mean, I'm, I'm just – and we are looking at another drug company because we sold our drug company uh, that we held for, for years, had a nice bump up. Uh, hit our target sell price. We're disciplined. We sold it. I think it's now fallen like 20%. But I mean, I would like to have a drug coming in our portfolio. But I want to tell people, be careful of chasing these vaccine drug companies because I don't believe they're going to make a lot of money off it. And you might get this bump like, oh, they got the vaccine. And actually what could happen, you could have more than one company doing the vaccine. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be a big profit potential for them. Or people would freak out too. Yeah. I mean, people are, what? They're making how much? I mean, that's not going to be a good publicity. <laughs> and, and I'm not convinced. I, and even myself, personally, I, I don't want to get too much into the COVID thing here, but but I don't know if I would even take the vaccine. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but I did want to bring up, uh, it looks like we had some technical difficulties. Um, so spreadsheet on Excel, I'm seeing what happened. We were too far scrolled down. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have time now, but Stan, John, and Tim uh, all called in. So we, we apologize for missing your calls. Oh. We're kind of hidden in the upper area. <laughs> uh, new system we're working on with the spreadsheet. So uh, please forgive us for that. Uh, please call in next week and, and we'll be sure to get you on on, uh, on the call there. You, you know, I just noticed that. Yeah, because it, it shows a four and five. Yep. So yep. one, two and three. <laughs> and I was wondering, like, we always get so many calls and here we're on Facebook Live. Like, we're looking like we got no calls, but <laughs> yeah. So we'll get that fixed next week. Uh, we do have a, a little bit more time left. I did want uh, to bring up another Facebook question. Uh, Robert Fuchs asked, you know, what's your opinion on XOM Exxon cutting their company 401k match to protect their dividend? Uh, always believe to pay your employees before the bosses. You, you know that that is a difficult one, um, and it's a shame they have to do that. But uh, but but the problem they're having, and and your, their bosses. I mean, the dividend is actually the shareholders, not the bosses. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it does kind of worry me somewhat to do that. I, I, I'm, I, I guess you kind of caught me cold on this one because I don't like it. I, I guess it's it. I don't like it, but I understand it. And they have to do what's right to keep it because if they do cut that dividend, I'm sure many of those employees hold that stock, that stock will drop dramatically. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I, as you said, it is a tough one. I, I think it, it really would hurt employee morale which I think is bad. And I, I do think Exxon is going to have to cut that dividend. I I really yeah. don't see how they can sustain that. And I think cutting the employee match first, I, I think kind of shows that they're hurting for cash flow, which is quite yeah. obvious. And the dividend might be next because if you start cutting the match, then you start cutting other benefits and then you still maintain the dividend. Ooh, that that's, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. The more, the more I think about it, I, I don't like that either. And I've, I've never heard of another company doing that. Not to say that another company did, but usually companies will cut the dividend as opposed to hurt their, their employees. And now yeah. they might cut the employees 401k match after they've cut the dividend and so forth. But I, yeah, I don't like that. I'm, I'm worried about Exxon. Yep. So. All righty. Well, there's uh, that's the, the closing bell. That's what it was. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only. It should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily 
educational, informational investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. Closing song, Frank Sinatra, My Way, performed by an entertainer, local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.